Hello, everyone. So here we are again with another episode of Crowdens Road Chronicles. And as you know, we are focusing people who live around and do activism and uh, run shops and everything around. And Rose is one of the people we have been seeing around since basically personally since I moved to London, which was around 10, 11 years ago. Uh, could you tell a little bit about when you when you moved to this area or if you were born here or not? Or? I've been living in Hackney for about 30 plus years. Yeah. I've been living in Hackney, yes. Uh, so I've seen the changes, I've seen the demographics. Um, I've just actually, because I'm nosy, I've seen everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know as much as I thought I knew. So as we go along, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, and um, you used to run a bookshop just around the corner from here. Can you tell me, yes. tell us a little bit about what was that bookshop about? And yes, I had a bookshop about five doors away from you. Um, it just used to be just have a bookshop on it. In fact, it had nothing on it, no title on it for a yeah. while. But it, uh, bookshop has started off with one room, one very small room, and um, and then eventually it turned out to be about four rooms packed from top to bottom yeah. with every kind of book you could think of anything and everything nothing was necessarily in order uh, you would be stepping over the books over the boxes you really you know dug, dug through um, every every kind of title you could think of um, but the the aim of the bookshop was to make sure that it was affordable for the community, yeah. um, for the students, uh, women and children who just didn't have a lot of money, um, just to make it just to make it accessible. Um, it became a community hub because we used to do lectures, we used to do workshops, um, we would do we would do anything in there, and. Um, I was there for about 20 something years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it closed because the building became very dangerous. So, from the time they had it, they bought it maybe from in the 60s up until, um, must be eight, nine years now, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I was there for 20 something years. Very enjoyable, it was. Uh, it didn't necessarily make big money but you did do a, get involved in a lot of community activities mm. and stuff. So that was um, that was groundbreaking um, at the time, especially for a black woman who was running the bookshop, because mm. at the time um, they were, there were quite a few black bookshops in Hackney, but most of them dealt solely with black history. Yeah. And then there was me that just did anything and, and everything. And we had some amazing people pass through the shop. At the time, half of them I didn't know was going to be so famous. Yeah. Um, and but they were just very grassroots, no fuss, no um, no grandeur or anything. Yeah. So. And you still run a stall sometimes in Hamilton Central, no? Yes. Um, after I left the shop, I went and did, I was doing tables on Hackney right opposite Marks and Spencer's. Yeah. I did tables and was still selling books then, up until last year, because the COVID came, well, winter came, and it's just freezing cold down there. And then the COVID, and then, um, and then winter came again. 
that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah, even up to now, I haven't been back because there's the threat of COVID, and 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 it's, I'm not doing it because of the COVID. Yeah. But because practicalities, because one minute you're there, next minute you're not there. Yeah. Then winter's coming again, and I don't do winters very well. I've tried it, so, and winters and books are not it must be harsh <laughs> and not uh, not the best. So yeah, but I still I still I still do books. But not as much as I used to. I've just been busy um, with my other work, which is um, domestic abuse. Yes, just special. Yeah, we will speak about that uh, shortly. But I would like to ask you about the how do you feel that the book industry has changed with Amazon now, and it feels like bookshops are disappearing. And yeah. obviously, with that, this what you just mentioned disappears as well, which is like the contact with people, the community, the activism. How do you feel about that? Is Amazon good or bad? Amazon, um, because I, I've got all the collectible books on Amazon, the mm. real alleged money books on Amazon. And, um, but I don't really have the time to be pushing it because you're, you're, you know, like your mind is constantly on it. And I just, that's not how I yeah. operate. But there's this myth that people don't read it's an absolute it's it's not true people do read some of the things with the young people it's about targeting books that's interesting and that they like we like to just give them books what we think that that they should read um people do read bookshops are essential and are a necessity People love to come in, people love the community, you know, seeing other people, talking about it. People like to, if it wasn't for bookshops, you really wouldn't get a sense of the vast array of books that are that are possible to read. Mm. Um, so, yes, I've, I've, seen the, I've seen the change when it comes to bookshop, but I didn't have any problems. Um, in terms of people not coming into the shop, even if they just bought one book for a pound, that yeah. was plenty. Yeah. Because like we say, it goes further than buying a book. It, it, it goes with communicating yeah. and um, and everything else. So yeah, it, ha it has really changed. But the only thing is some of the bookshops are, if I say my personal opinion, mm. some of the bookshops are boring because they're all the same. They yeah, all sell yeah. the same thing. They all you know, have a, um, an area that they specialize in, which is all good, which is all very good, hmm. but um, it doesn't challenge, it doesn't challenge the people. So you've got bookshops um, like Houseman's, for example, they're good. Hmm. Um, you know, they're focused, they may, you know, their fo focus might be in politics and, hmm. and, and feminism and, you know, all different, subjects but it's about activism yeah um there was um over the years there's been quite a few of them but they they're not around anymore and my brain is a bit fizzled but um we got we got pages on lower clapton road mm. there and that's really nice to have a very, very local and central yeah, awesome. bookshop. Yeah, yeah. And they do a lot as well. They get in a lot of, of authors mm. um, and things. And then I think there's one in Broadway Market. 
I saw one the other day on Kingsland Road. They do with films, and they've got some yeah, yeah, film yeah, books yeah. and things. Like I think that. Paige is opening another bookshop as well, f- I, focusing yes, feminist yes, studies now. So. Yes, yeah. I think yeah, it's now, down in Shoreditch or something. And that, yeah, this is what we're talking. You know that. Yeah, yeah. This is what we're talking about, um, where you can have just a sort of dialogue and debate and um, mm. things that really, really matters. All books matter. Oh, that's a new phrase. I like that one. <laughs> All books matter. Let's um, make a t-shirt with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, um, yeah, the nature of, 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 of books and things has changed. Um, the online thing, people like that. Uh, yeah. it's, not, it's not my business. Um, I don't personally buy um, very much at all from online. I think it's very very important that we support uh, local businesses or just go into shops to to help um, to help other people grow you know with, yeah, yeah. with, the, with their passion and and I think it's very very important so yeah. that's my view on it <coughs> uh, so you basically think that the bookshops and books are like essential like as alternative education to what people understand and, and learn in schools no because this we cannot really control the school system but we can control what we read, no? Yeah, we can control the school system. I think, um, I think just like everything else, if enough people make noise, yeah, they will have to take notice. But you have to keep on and on and on at it. I think with with a lot of things, we start things, we might protest, we'll make noise, but mm-hmm. we don't follow it on. And I think if you keep following it on, if you say, for example, we should have more more books, more children's books, mm. um, more radical children's books. Um, and you keep you keep on and on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. You do it. <laughs> if the school don't want to do it, then you do it. You yeah. do an after school club or you you know, you you do a weekend club or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we, we can keep doing it. There are lots, there's so many different ways to do anything and everything to do with books. So many different ways and we just have to just get the people, just get the people to come out. You know, yeah. people people are used to, as you say, probably just going on Amazon and just ordering a book and that's yeah. it. That That's just not enough. No. Um, just like you've got debating clubs, you can have debating book clubs. It doesn't have to be one thing. Um, if our children, if the young children see us doing those things, then they will do that. You lead by example, no? Like, see, they absolutely, see absolutely. Yeah. Expand, expand your mind, but you have to. They have to see you in action of course, yeah. for for things to happen. Hmm. And um, if if we don't do that, if we don't keep opening uh, bookshops, for example, or, or even um, businesses like Black Cat, yeah. if we don't do that. It's going to make it harder for the children. Yeah. Um, where there's always been, like with Black Cat, and um, even way back when this was pumpkins, there was always activism. It was yeah. food. It was activism. It was community spirit. It was community get together, and that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't buy that. We can't do these things. We can. We just have to keep going. You just have to harass these people. Yeah. And like I said, if they still want to be stuck in their in their little bubble in their little world hmm. then you start it 
you get yeah, on with yeah. it. You don't have to wait for them. And that's that's my personal opinion. So you used to come uh, since uh, bla- uh, uh, pumpkin. pumpkin times. Yeah, yeah, How's yeah. It, because obviously we were just arrived here when Pogo was happening. Can you tell a little bit about how pumpkin was and how vegan food and everything so, was back then? Yeah, when when I was at the bookshop, um, pumpkins was here. Um, John, his name was John. He was running it. And again, there was a lot of activism going on, mm. animal rights activism. And you used to have a range of people, the kind of people that used to come here. Yeah. It was mad. It was like, um may say like the punks and you'd have the goth the goths the kind of gothic people yeah. what they now call trans people uh you just had an array of people coming and that was what was exciting about it and obviously then there was food and there was activism yeah um the only thing with this was there was no um air conditioning so when you came in you would come in here and you would go out smelling like this place you know but i mean that's i'm just no i remember that i remember that when i used to volunteer for pogo people i would arrive home and they would tell me your lies you smell like pogo yeah yeah exactly and we always used to say why how come you don't put in air conditioning and stuff but it was pumpkins was vibrant and again you're talking the 90 the 90s um and it was more um vegetarian vegetarian vegan it was mm. um and at that time it was new it was quite it was quite new yeah. and you're in an area where i think what you had so much butchers yeah, yeah. <laughs> butchers around the place um where the The idea was just so new um, and it was so strange uh, for people. And it just seems like it it appeared like there was like a lot more white people that was coming, Yeah. that was in here. Um, and the black people were curious, not that the black people used to come in here, but it was mm. mainly white people yeah. at that time. Um, but what was good was um, they used to come into the shop So people would leave from Pogo and come into the shop. Yeah. And vice versa. And I would always be telling them to come here um, in terms of health and um, and activism and stuff like that. The relationships were really good. Um, and and Pumpkin was... Pumpkin paved the way. Yeah. Because I think in Hackney, at one stage, they were the only ones in Hackney. Yeah. Now that I think about it, They were the only real vegetarian vegan place mm-hmm. and they lasted a long time and then um, um back then i guess it was more much more difficult than now to get vegan food even in other places no like yes. it would be as well so they did a, it was essential place for it was the central place mm. and like i said there was so much activism yeah so much active things coming um going about it you know it was about what they now call growing communities. Yeah. People, you know, getting their food from the allotments hmm. and um, um, people growing their own food and fruit and all that. And I think what Pumpkins did was that it also got members of the community who wouldn't normally have come here yeah. to actually come here. 
because when they'd gone to the allotments and things like that, yeah. just the ordinary grassroots people mm. would hear about it and they would get things from it. And the same with, you know, same with Pogo and same with you all now. So that mm. legacy has really gone down, really spread, yeah. um, really spread. Yeah, it's really important for us to know the history. Actually, we are writing the Black Cat Recipe book. And one of the chapters is the history of the space. So we want to go back to, we're trying to move our uh, context to see if we can get in touch with John or someone yeah, to have a yeah. chat about what what was happening back then. I don't know if you know, you're still in contact or? No, I haven't seen John forever. But there's Maybe um, they're not even in the city or anything. No? Yeah, yeah. But um, let's put the word out and let's find John and yeah. John and Co. And there's, there's a, there was a black woman that used to work here. Um, I might be able to get hold of her. I yeah, I heard that the cakes were fantastic. No, that was like yeah. a big forte. Of... Yeah, yeah. So yeah, she she was she worked here for a long time. Yeah. Cool. So could we speak a little bit about the sister space, which is your main focus at the moment? Can you tell a little bit to people who don't know what it's sister space and what what stage you are now with the Honey Council regarding the eviction and all that? Okay, so sister space is a um, is a charity. And it is. It was set up after the death of uh, a young woman called Valerie Ford and her baby, who was 23 months at the time. They were murdered by her partner, and um, after the court case, I mean, it was horrific. Uh, her death was horrific. How he he killed both of them, and then he tried to take his life, um, but he he's jailed now. Um, after the court case, um, the court case actually found there were a catalogue of failings mm. that could have perhaps prevented her death even after he did what he did. And then after the court case, um, Ngozi, um, who is the CEO and founder of Sister Space, she realised that they were all outside the court and there was everyone's really sad and joyful and everything, and there was nowhere to go for black women, for, for black women, black people to go um, after suffering domestic abuse. Mm. So she set up Sister Space, which at the time was in um, Lower Clapton Road. And to say that there is not, there wasn't, uh, I think there are very, very, very few black. African heritage organizations set up uh, regarding mm. domestic abuse, domestic violence and sexual abuse. So we set that up. Um, very successful it was um, because every everybody needs to have their own cultural heritage units to, to actually make things happen. So we set that up very, very good. Um, and what what Sister Space provided, just like be it the sorry, excuse me, be it the Jewish community, be it the Turkish community, the English community, it don't matter what it is, that you have something that you can identify with, that you have representation, that you would know best about your cultural heritage and how to to connect and um, give the best service you can to um, to your community but within the wider community 
is that's what sister space was about. That's essential, isn't it? Like uh, there's another domestic abuse charities out there, but you know the background of the people who come to you, so that's very very important. And and within all that, because a lot of people say, why do you need to have a black domestic abuse charity? Domestic abuse is domestic abuse. Nobody's denying domestic abuse is domestic abuse. And, mm. um, color, culture, what have you. It, it, there's no, it doesn't choose. But what it does do <clears throat> is that if you came to me and you spoke a, a different language mm. or if you were saying particular things in your language, yeah. If I went to the normal domestic abuse service, they may not have an understanding, or as I say, an overstanding mm. of what's of what you're saying. Um, it's standard that you should, if you're from a different culture, you should have an interpreter, but that may not be likely to happen. Mm. If you are, if you have been beaten up. If you're going through trauma, emotional abuse, um, financial abuse, or anything, or if even if you've been raped, mm -hmm. the the fact that you have to order, not order, the fact that you will have to phone at the domestic abuse service and go through and say, "Can I get an interpreter, please?" when you need immediate help right now yeah it's another barrier no it's another, I mean, yeah exactly yeah so many barriers so they can come to us and we can speak to them like right now yeah they will be able to talk but in this whole language thing they will be they can say certain things that we know what they mean yeah but your mainstream services Would do not know what you mean so it's it's what may appear to be little things but essential things that can help people to heal and people to grow so um so our service you know we we we, we just did it actually we just did it we reached people that other services may not have been able to reach and also uh your local council Uh, couldn't reach and we just got on with it so for five years six years we just got on with it mm. but we were in a space that was not safe yeah. um, what would happen is you would so you see as you open the front door here mm. we will be sitting here with the clients yeah, yeah it's not good no no it's no. not good and we constantly were saying there, and there was so many different unsafe Um, issues in and around that so many of them and so we said look this is got to happen that's got to happen and um, anyway eventually they decided they were going to do up the place they did up the place we were they put us in another temporary space covid came along um, pandemic came along and during the first phase of the pandemic they told us we have to move back to Good that luck. space we said well no we can't do that because Central government says that people have to stay put. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, the statistics on um, black people and what they call BAME, black and minority ethnic, which we do not subscribe to whatsoever, mm. because that BAME is putting white people in one pocket and every other culture in another. 
and you're yeah. always scrambling and fighting amongst yourself for whatever funding or any little thing that's out there so yeah. we're just like no um but but what had happened was um the statistics for black people catching covid was very 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 high oh, yeah. and so we were like well why would you want us to move back to a one room space that we cannot you just cannot it's impossible to do the work mm. and they were like well you know we did this place up for you you need to go back and all that but we were saying it's not that we that's not the point the point is the place is unsafe we can't go back during covid um our footfall has gone up like by about 300% because added to that you've got a lot of um elderly people from the windrush generation yeah who were also starting to come and disclose and so on because we were in a much safer place and um they just didn't listen to us and no matter what we were saying it's like you've got to move back you've got to move back and we were just saying well we can't can we stay until um i think it was they're saying can we just stay until the pandemic is over because there were five phases to the yeah, pandemic yeah. they wanted us to move out as soon as the government said you can see your family they were like you got to go and we were like there's five phases and the mm. the last phase stopped in august so can we stay until then no 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 everything we asked every whatever we did no 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 and we just said we cannot be putting people's lives at risk oh, yeah. and um they didn't agree and so this is how it escalated um we said let can we just stay here until a certain time that will give us time to look for another property they're like no 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 so then we had to get into activism yeah which is we always come back to activism role um and so we had some protests we had um petitions we did everything and they still yeah they still wouldn't they still wouldn't budge on on anything yeah um and so the more you don't budge is the more that you have to keep protesting and putting your face forward um in terms of black women and domestic abuse figures are very 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 high there's um there there are a few things so for one black people and their relationship with the police never never has been good yeah. it is not good so a lot of women are not going to go to the police they will not disclose they will not go there by themselves and even recently we've had people and we have gone to the police station with with survivors and victims and the way that you get treated by some of the staff is horrendous they're rude they're arrogant they're dismissive um a lot of it also is the training that they don't receive enough training yeah and um a lot of them don't even know their own laws their own rules when it comes to domestic abuse same thing in housing um same thing you could even say the same thing in your gp um so we we've become activists within domestic abuse yeah. also we don't keep quiet and we we will we will highlight and and put out just the joy of social media yeah, yeah. put out um what 
we think is not is not right and things that should change and so on um so that so where we're at um we were evicted from this temporary space we were at despite having i think at the time we were evicted we had about 17,000 people sign a petition mm-hmm. and nothing no no nothing um and then there were social media on twitter where um i don't know if i'm allowed to say this because we went to mediation and we were told that we can't talk about certain things so i'm not sure so let me be nice <laughs> and not say anything but you can go on our twitter you can go, check everything there no? yeah and um some of the tactics that were used to discredit us was it was horrible nasty and that's not the way that that should have been conducted and and also what happened should never have gone that it should never have gone that that far and gone that route and we said you know we said that it should never had all it needed was to be, to sit down you could have said we don't agree with what you say yes we do care about the community you know what you do etc um that should have happened um it didn't happen on their behalf no matter how much mm. uh we we tried to um resolve this but what this has taught us is um a lot about what i call politics yeah a lot about it you know where they close rank where people will not even talk to you yeah, yeah. or support you um and and the de- you know the defense how how the council becomes very very defensive but the beauty of what's happened because out of everything that happens there's always rewards for yeah. them so yeah the- where do i need to start back from from when you were speaking about the um, yeah well basically the treat of how honey council was basically what yeah what i wanted to ask as well is because how you're highlighting how important is the grassroots movements because in theory labor left-wing council is gonna should be aiming to support you but it's not happening so you're grass uh, sister spaces highlighting and showing people how important it's yeah a grassroots movement to do the things yeah so sister space is a grassroots movement and the experiences that we've had has been very rewarding um we've always right from the beginning we've always said without any apology with no fear what we feel is not happening or is happening or should happen we have an opinion on everything so we will say it yeah um unlike some of the other um domestic abuse um organizations where they they can't speak as freely as they would like to but mm. we we can so activism come out of that and because of the the um the protests and the petitions and everything else that we've mm. had we've we've just the support that we've had has been amazing and it's been mm. phenomenal just like everything else it's your supporters Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, can you explain a little bit what people like, common people can do to support the space? Was the best way to 
Well, what, what this whole thing has done, just before I say that, what this mm. whole thing has done is that it's, it's heightened the awareness of domestic abuse. Mm. And so people from every walk of life, um, it's, been, it's been in their face. It's something to talk about. Um, and we, again, highlight what can you do to help somebody who is going through domestic abuse, mm. domestic violence or sexual abuse, because they're three different things. What can you do? You can be, you can just be mindful, for example, of somebody you know mm. that um, just, for example, just ask them how they are, find out uh, what, what help they need. But you've got to be careful that you don't, quote unquote, get them into trouble. And just knowing certain things like uh, a domestic abuse service, a helpline, Mm. Helplines are very important because if uh, the perpetrator um, is, is controlling them or has access to their phones or their emails and everything, you can get them to helplines because there are helplines that they can, um, and online um, abuse services they can go on where it won't leave trace, a trace, yeah. etc. What can you do? You can ensure that they've got money of their own because a lot mm. of them with the financial abuse, they don't have money, they can't control everything. Yeah. Um, you can kind of even find out that you can go to the police station and you don't mm. have to leave um, your, 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 your particular details yeah, yeah. or what have you. You can know who your local support services are. And sometimes it could be just little things like you could say to them, you can go to the park. Mm. Yeah, go to the park. Um, there's this little group that's around um, that may have, um, that may do things with children. Mm. You know, they're a walking group, just lots of little, just lots of little groups, lots of little things to help them where they do not have, they're not able to or have the strength to, to leave. Yeah. And so on, find out about their families, find out about uh, telling them about maybe having emergency, having an emergency bag somewhere mm. um, with their documents in it. So if one day that they will have to go, um, finding out who their family members are, because a lot of the times family don't know that what's happening, what, what's, um, what's happening. You know, just again, just finding out what services are around um that you can help and sometimes you may never need to to use that yeah. but also knowing what abuse is that's the other thing a lot of us don't know what abuse is yeah. and abuse is as simple as having somebody um like bullying is abuse you know having somebody shouting up in your face calling you names um like we say financial abuse emotionally abusing you telling you what to wear, what not to wear, how, you know, what to do with your hair, um, you know, rape, knowing, mm. knowing just the small little bits about rape, what, what rape is. Yeah, yeah. If, and rape is, um, you know, like basically if you don't want to and it's being forced upon you, that is rape. It, even if you don't go right into the intricate details because yeah, most yeah. of us, most of us won't do. And most of us find 
those conversations, we're more frightened of it than those that are being abused. But it is essential that that we that we have an, an idea of it, that we know something about it, because yeah. you can save a life. If you see somebody, if you're walking down the road and if you you know you feel that somebody is going through something, um, apart from say like phoning the police or just reporting it, because that can yeah. be enough. But you can just say to the person, how are you? You never know that person may, going through what or, that person's yeah. going through. You may save that person that day, you know, by just acknowledging something. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, or, you know, they may be able to tell you something. So it's about the awareness. Um, there is a lot of activism within um, domestic abuse as well. It may not seem like it. Mm. Um, but there can be and should be a lot more activism. Um, the support that we've got, we, we, when we had one of the protests at the town hall, a group from Doncaster came down. Yeah, we were there, we Yorkshire. saw it, it was amazing. Yeah. They, were, uh, they were amazing and they had their own fight up there. With the council as well. With huh? the council mm. and two of the women were sacked um, because they spoke out and they, you know, they were... They were activists within it. And once again, it was a Labour council. Yeah. Again, a Labour council. And you're like, what? So that's been really good because it it takes you into the into politics yeah. and shows you how things work, how things don't work, and so on. And so we, we are now, you know, we're all now getting together to talk, at least talk about it yeah. and looking at the whole wider aspects of it. And what's interesting, because back in the day when this was pumpkin, they used to be talking about all austerity and and um, and council cuts, cut, yeah. you know, cutting this and cutting that and everything. And you know, most people were like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, then people see where the cuts are coming from, and, mm. and you get a better understanding of what politics is about and central government, etc. But now we're right back. Cool. Yeah. You're just right back. It's like it's like literally nothing has changed but that you can use community activism in every in every aspect of mm. of what you do if you want to get a message across. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, you were speaking a little bit about charities, and one thing I noticed here is that charities like are a big business, no? Like it seems that charities, people working for, some of the people working for charities have received like huge salaries, but you are not in that position, obviously. How do you think, do you think that the governments sees charities as something like, okay, let's do activism, but to a certain point. Once you pass that point, you're already... In terms of um, charities and activism, you only ever see the big names. Hmm. And um, I suppose you get paid, so you can only go so far. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. You can only go so far, and going so far is not as effective as the grassroots it's mm. really not effective because the people that are doing the work mm. for charities are the grassroots people so you give them your ideas they take your ideas they go off with it and make it look as if they're doing work but they're mm. doing no work because when people are walking up and down and marching up and down on the street do you ever see them do you yeah. ever hear their voice no you don't so 
yeah, money has a big part to play with it. Um, and it's interesting as well because, because these charities, when they're giving funding and things like that, mm. we know there's a big bias in funding. We know there's a lot of organisations that need the funding and apparently it's the best applications that get the funding. But there's a, a, a very a lot of bias and racism and sexism and everything in all the funding. Yeah. So some people will not do activist work because they're scared they won't get funding. Yeah. Now, that that is that is all out of wrong. Yeah. Um, of course you've got to be clever where you don't you don't cuss you the people that give you the money. Yeah. But you should be able to still be very active and very vocal. Of course, independent, no? Like, it, regardless of the money you're getting, you should be able to express. Absolutely. And that ob- seems to not be happening with big charities, no? No, no. Because you're not, you don't want to risk your yeah. 2,000 a month salary just for... And this is, this is exactly what we found. But in, um, in the domestic violence one, we had, we had one... Um, she's not the CEO, but she's in a very high position. She came to one of them that we did, and she's the only one yeah. who came out and spoke and told her views. And it is so important to have those people that are, I'm not saying she gets a lot of money, but those people who kind of make the decisions and get those big money, it is so important to have them on the ground. Yeah, you They need to be down there with you to really hear and really see what's going on. So at Sister Space, we have we've got something what we call mango mango morning. It's a bit like it's not coffee morning because yeah. we're a culture, yeah. So we call it mango morning. And what we used to do was we used to um, invite all kinds of um, all kinds of people, be they head of organisation, mm. um, be they the head, you know, be they the police, be they whoever it is, and they would come to a mango mornings and we would all talk real proper grassroots talk no holds bars Mm. and we would invite survivors and victims and they would tell their story or their their incidences and experiences to those to those people now to me that's activism because you've come to to little hackney you're sitting with us we're saying to you what you're doing, that's not working, we think this is what should happen, etc., etc. Then you listen to the people who are going through their experiences and then you come out and then you tell us your story also Mm. and then you come out and you're supposed to go back and you're supposed to do something with it, make make a change, make movements, make things happen. But that doesn't that doesn't happen too much. Yeah. Yeah. You need a wake-up call sometimes, no? Like, which brings us to what happened, for example, with George Floyd, the death of George Floyd, and everybody being able to see it. Absolutely. It seems that has people have have woken up. Businesses are su- yeah. trying to support. I don't know what you think about how anti-racism has become a bit, little bit mainstream. Was the pros yeah. and cons of this? It yeah, anti- it has. Um... Everything happens for a reason. So George mm. Floyd's one happened on on a national TV or on social media. Mm. But it's an energy. 
this is what we've joined George Floyd and there's obviously there's hundreds of others. But what happens, it's an energy. That what happened is it it opened up the consciousness of people. The communication, the voice, it's gone all around the world. Everybody mm. knew what happened was wrong. But as we keep saying, out of everything, there's always an opening and a way to mm. make changes and to make things happen. Yeah. Yes, it's become mainstream. And part of it does really um, irk, it irk, it just gets on um, people who go through racism and discrimination and but mm. let's take racism and and that and discrimination it does get on our nerves because we've been saying this forever yeah, we have course. lived that experience forever mm. anybody who comes from another country and they're not liked by the mainstream people and even other other even other people who themselves are being discriminated against they sometimes take on the the majority or which are even more in the bottom no more discriminated yeah absolutely so yeah it, it it does get on our nerves that we've been saying this forever and then this is what it takes but it does it it, it doesn't matter yeah it has been absolutely fabulous that everybody regardless of who mm. they are because they're talking about it now there's all these actions that has been taken all this activism all these marches all these protests but the only thing with that is after you've done the marches and after you've done the protests what are you going to do how are you going to put things in place when are you going to actually really have a voice and really really do something all this debating and discussion and all that we've been doing it forever but it is absolutely fabulous i went on all those protests and yeah. everything and the the energy was amazing mm. and to see so many young people yeah that that for me that was the highlight because i went to quite a few of them the highlight was it's the young people black and it was amazing to see a lot of young i mean hundreds of young white people mm. that were there um and that basically is the way forward you know another you put that into the minds of 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 uh, of the people and it's there and it's whether where they're going to take it next what are they going to do about it but we do need for example if we're speaking about white people because i know people are like well calling white people white calling black but that's what it is <laughs> let's say let's say because there's so much political correctness yeah but it's about the white people can teach the white people better than the black people could ever teach them yeah because when we tell our story um, of racism it it may gain sympathy but it doesn't have that impact so mm. again change the narrative change those history books because the history books are written by those who are the oppressors mm. and the rulers these young people black and white mm. they can get to make change but the change has to come through activism you've got to be doing something you've got to be saying something you've got to call it out when you see it if you can't we, now you've got social media if you're mm. not able to 
use social media to say this happened i saw this happen and this was this was not acceptable this was not right or even if you don't if you don't believe that it, it's wrong or it's right mm. pose a question have a conversation and that's that's how things are going to happen yeah that's so important nowadays that there's so many ways and forms of activism and ways to change Absolutely. it's not that you have to be throwing a lot of cuttles to police yeah so that's one of the things that yeah absolutely you don't you don't have to feel that you're obliged to do yeah that's the thing about it you don't have to feel well should i go because i'm going to get in trouble or this person's not going to like me or i'm going to get in trouble you can do it you can do it in just so many ways and I, and that's what social media that's what i love about social media uh, apart from those that sit down behind you know sit on the computer and say things and don't do things but um that's that's where that's where we need to get to um and for as much as i know i remember going on the green greenham common they used to have protests and marches uh -huh. that was uh, against the um was it the, against the bomb and it was women uh, doing stuff um was that 70s 80s um that that was a serious movement and back then people were just like oh you know you got this bunch of women they're all feminists they're hippies they're this yeah. they're that they classed you in you know they put you into something and you know why would they do this why would you and it's because of their activism mm. that there's a lot of things that people you know women can uh, can can do now then you had the anti apartheid again they bought they highlighted and bought subjects to people's attention and again that was uh, that was activism and a lot, of, a lot of people say well marching and protesting doesn't do nothing well there's as we said again there's lots of different ways that was just one way to do it create awareness as well yeah. oh the awareness is the awareness about it that that is the crux of it yeah. and when you're sitting down in your house and you're talking uh those issues your children should be around yeah yeah get them involved get them to learn about what's going on in the world absolutely yeah yeah it could be as simple things like you know even with books just give them a book, give them newspapers, let them read a little paragraph, let them know what's going on. Because a lot of these um, young children, you know, their minds are so ahead, but sometimes they just kept, um, what's the word, you know, when you just keep them static on a level, you know? So we want, we want young children to be able to, to have a black cat environment mm. where 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 things happen you know cool. yeah so i really love this part of interview it has been really nice can we go a little bit just for a little bit a bit of, a bit less serious conversation yeah uh, could you recommend uh well it's not it's quite serious the question actually three books that change your life three books that you would recommend to think it's quite a difficult question but i'm sure three books people get that inspiration for so, that I'm going to cheat a little bit because there have been, in terms of African history, mm -hmm. black history books, there are 
a lot of them that changed my life. So I will start. Three is too short of a list, no? Three books that changed my life. So you can name more, of course. Just as a reference. Okay, so if I do three books, then I will do one, which will be African history books, because there were so many. Yeah. Back in the 70s and the 80s, um, back in the 70s, you, you didn't, you had, there were a few black bookshops. I think there was maybe about three or four black bookshops in London. Um, back then, it appeared that the books were very expensive. You didn't have the money to buy them. Mm. Um, when you look back on it now, they wasn't expensive, but obviously back, back then, yeah, it changed. Mm. Um, so there were a, a lot of black books, a lot of black books written by black authors, and they had a massive impact on me. There were just so many of them. Mm. Uh, there's somebody called Yusuf Ben Yukanan, they called him Dr. Ben. There was um, like John G. Jackson. Um, there's things but like Walter Rodney. There was, uh, what's this one? Um, Williams, Chancellor Williams about slavery. You know, the, every subject you can think of was written yeah. by an African author, by a black author, telling the story not the way that the European writers. Oh, yeah. So those were instrumental, absolutely blew my mind when you saw how much we, as African people, as black people, actually contributed to our liberation, our history, our culture, and just world history in general. Yeah. So that's one set of books. Book that changed my life. Um, there's a book by an author called um, Malidoma Somi. He's from, is he from Bicano Faso? And he is, uh, it's a spiritual, it's more like a spirituality metaphysical uh -huh. book. And again, that book was instrumental because it showed it's about spirituality, quote unquote magic, things like that but it's based on a true story uh -huh. so he was born in his country he that was then taken away uh, sent to a priest to a not a monastery but he was um brought up by priests and things like that taken away from his culture eventually he came back his name malidoma means um is it oh his name means, is it i'm not teaching the white man but something like that so his whole history played out, his name played out mm. in his experiences yeah, yeah. In, in history. Um, and so in this book, it teaches you about rituals and culture and so-called magic and stuff like that. Mm. But again, it's from an African perspective and it still encompasses world history, things that were possible. So. He was not initiated. One of the things that was very, very important in traditional, in traditional yeah. culture generally is about being initiated. He mm. wasn't initiated. He got initiated when he was 20 something um, and that along with those who were 13, yeah. 12, 13 years old, he was initiated. And obviously he's coming from a Catholic background and the Catholic background mm. suppresses anything 
to open your mind. Course, yeah. So he's gone and he's, you know, done his, his, his rites of passage, his initiation, only to experience some of, some of the things that you would never think would be possible. Yeah. Talking to trees, hugging trees, trees have a life. Um, you know, stole, you know, just everything to do with nature. Absolutely brilliant book. And he, again, just put that into perspective um, and talked about some of the, quote-unquote, the hidden sciences. Um, and then it was a book by a woman, I would say. And I read a lot of novels. I started off reading a lot of white novels on anything apart from Mills and Boons. Um, and then I started to read black authors hmm. in novels. And what was what changed my life is that what changed for me reading those is that you could um, you could relate to a lot of the things that were in those novels. Yeah. Um, they, they, they were about race, but they were all about life and life experiences. So there were two sets of novels that I would read. You would have the African um, series, because there's a whole series called the African Writers Series, mm. again, done by black authors. It's taught and it, it, it gives you about the history, it gives you the culture, it gives you the um, it gives you the the misconceptions. There was a lot of misconception, the colonialism, the, and all these were in the novels. And then you had the American and the Caribbean writers. So it was things that you could relate to, things that you knew your parents yeah. had related to, or your you know. Uh, so they were um, absolute. So then I went on to a stage of women writers and they definitely changed because it gives you a bigger and wider perspective oh, yeah. of life. And a, a, lot of the, um, a lot of the authors, they had traveled and a lot of them were maybe intellects and lecturers and stuff. So you had a whole thing and it talked about just a life in general. So you had Buchi Emichita, the joys of motherhood. She came from Nigeria and came here to England. And I think she was a nurse, a social worker, I think. She was a social worker. And it talks about race and racism and so on, but it's about overcoming. And then your personal life. And in her yeah. one, actually, there's, there's domestic abuse in her one and how she overcame. Mm. Um, and we, done, we, did, we did some, um, when she passed, uh, we did a, a little gathering for her, celebration of her life, and her mm. son came. To really? Her. Yeah. Awesome. And obviously he was mentioned in her stories as yeah. well, so little things like that. And then you've got um, you've got people like Maya Angelou, which is very popular, Toni Morrison. You've got Caribbean writers um, as well. You know, it's about reading. And, and what's, been, what's changed, changed me as well with all that is reading very few novels but by women from Papua New Guinea for example yeah and um, Samoa and you know just little little countries where they didn't have a printing press but you 
you know you you would um you would read from them and from australia as well because they went through so much as you know that you know people used to used to take their children and give mm. them to the to the white children or you know they would be sent just like in south africa to live out back and just reading about people's stories we are going for another yeah. segment Uh, any others that or we can go to music do you th music? music oh my gosh have you got time oh my gosh. <laughs> we have 30 minutes more we've got 30 minutes more oh, let's, yeah let's talk about music okay just like we've been talking about activism yeah protest and everything music that I've always listened to mm. that I was even brought up on without knowing that at the time yeah has been music with activism so um because so we're going to talk about reggae music ooh, ooh, ooh. in the 70s 80s that's all that music was about burning spear culture obviously bob marley and the whalers bunny whaler peter tosh um mighty diamonds that could give you I could name you from yeah. here to kingdom come but that music what was amazing about that music was before I knew my history from the books I knew it from the, the music, music yeah. the music taught us our history I must have been amazing that for example I always love reggae um Caribbean music but It was not on my doorstep. In your case, it was happening around here. So that must have been an incredible experience. No? Absolutely. You know, like back in the day, uh, we used to, there used to be a lot of house parties. I mean, loads of house parties. Again, bringing the community together, bringing yeah. people together. If it wasn't parties, it was, uh, it was um, raves. It wasn't raves, you know, there were sound systems. And um, the music... And that's the kind of music I like anyway. Active, active in musics, you know, get up, stand up for your rights. Um, you know, from Peter Tosh talking about, um, you know, what marijuana does for you on a, on a health, on a health basis. Yeah. Um, telling you about, because it's social commentary. It's telling you about what's happening in your community, always talking about peace and love mm. and harmony and people getting together and everything. That's what that's what reggae music um, was about. Um, I think it's, it still is, but in terms of the real, real, real music, that's what it was always, always about. Yeah, Do yeah. you manage to see any of them alive? Oh my gosh, yeah. do you want my list? I <laughs> love live music. The only person I didn't get to see was Bob Marley. Oh. We were going to get to see him in the September of 1980 in Southend or Brighton, and it was cancelled. I said, little knowing. Then oh. we found out, obviously, yeah. that he, he was ill. Not he was ill, yeah, yeah. And I, ne I nearly got to see him. But everybody else, um, 
Burning Spear, Dennis Brown. In fact, Dennis Brown came to Hackney Empire. Oh, really? Saw him in Hackney Empire. But at the time, we were, it used to be down in Brixton, Brixton Academy. That was the place. Everything happened down in Brixton. Um, Gregory Isaacs, um, Dennis Brown and Gregory Isaacs, every time they came to London. Me and my cousin was there every time they came. We were there. Um, we weren't groupies, though, but uh, <laughs> we were there. Uh, like the Mighty Diamonds culture, the Abyssinians, um, Steel Pulse from um, Birmingham, um, people like Muta Baruka, he was a poet as well, a dub poet, Linton Kwesi Johnson. I mean, like, literally, um, and then, um, you know, there was, um, there used to be those big ones, like, if, was it in Wandsworth one time, where you had Russ Michael and the Sons of Negus, you had, I think, remember Maxi Priest, I know that, um, you know, you, who, whomever can think of, it was you can think of, yeah, I always, I always, live music, my, my, my absolute, my absolute passion, Morgan Heritage, um, yeah, so now, you know, like when you hear these names, I'm glad I got to see them, Delroy Wilson, John Holt, John Holt, um, there were just people who, and Alton Ellis as well, and a lot of them have passed now, and they were masters of their craft. Of course, they like are. Alton Ellis, John Holt, Dennis Brown, Culture, Burning Spear, and a whole heap more. They were masters of their craft because what they would do is they would give the people the songs that they that they like, huh? that they yeah. like and then they may then go on to um you know some of their new songs but and you know and it was unity it's black people white people pink people aliens everybody yeah would uh would be there and everybody was in unity as is, you know that's what songs do yeah. songs of protest um i like you know love lovers songs are they're okay then yeah, they're okay, but I wouldn't specifically go out to live music for that. Mm. But I was brought up with that, you know, the Lovers Rock, which was created here in London and had such a huge impact on people. And lots of babies were created from that also. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah music. Um, we also grew up in a household with our parents playing gospel music, uh, pop music, people, um, they used to listen to people like Jim Reeves and um, is it Val Dunican and all those, those other people. But again, the songs were, the songs were about, we had substance. Yeah, yeah. And then you had all the soul music mm. as well. Grew up on Motown. Yeah, yeah. And then we also were lucky because we also grew up on on um, Caribbean music. Yeah. So you had you had the Mento, you had Soca, you had Zouk, um, you had um, Pan music for um, for Carnival. Yeah, yeah. And Carnival, Carnival. 
just encompassed everything, all the music. But again, it's about having your your music for your culture, okay. and then obviously out and beyond. Um, yeah, yeah. Give me music any day. All those music you mentioned, Calypso, and all that were the foundation of reggae. No, this was what the the people brought from background from the countries like and became reggae kind of thing. Yeah, but also they were born out of struggle. A lot of the music mm. were born out of struggle because there was so much you couldn't do. Yeah, because of um, in, because of colonialism or mm. you know during obviously we know during the enslavement period. There was a lot that you couldn't do, so you had to improvise. Yeah, of course, yeah. You, that's that's where, you know, the pan, the steel pans yeah, yeah. come out of, and then you would, even the washing board, you know, they would yeah, um, yeah. make the music for washing boards and uh, graters, you know, the, the, yeah. the graters and, uh, you know, and obviously the drums uh, in Rasta, we have Nayim Bingi. Again, Nayim Bingi is about, it encompasses, say, like, maybe gospel, um, religious, so-called religious music, but also about protest and about uh, movement um, and about things for your spirit and for your soul, which yeah, is yeah. what which is what all the, the music are. But then for me, there are just particular aspects of music that that is to keep you, my, you know, to keep you sane, to, to, mm. you know, to that goes to your spirit, that goes to your soul. So yeah, and obviously with the soul music, you know, just, what can you do, Sam Cooke, oh, <laughs> Sam Cooke, and Paul Robeson, the man was phenomenal, yeah? He grew up in, in, in slavery time, Yeah. At the end of, towards the end of, because his parents were enslaved, and he was um, he was an athlete, he was um, he was an author. Activism. I'm pointing at you now yeah. because we're coming back to activism. Yeah, as well. Well, they can, uh, Paul Robeson and his activism and the sacrifices that he made, amazing. So he came to Wales. He came to Wales to help out the miners in Wales. Oh, really? Amazing. He went to Russia because he didn't believe um, everything that the American government had said. So he went there. He was deemed as a communist. His passport was taken away. Yeah. He couldn't do anything. He was also a singer. He did the spirituals. He was an actor. He played Othello. Um, and everything he did was about activism. He was on the front line. He yeah. gave talks. He protested with the grassroots people, yeah. although he had a, you know, although he was huge, load of sacrifice. And his son is also, also um, activist as well. So that's what music is all about. Music should be about activism. Music should be kind of putting out messages for people to open yeah. up and we've got a we've got a brother here called um maccabee yeah and he maccabee is amazing you he's know, still making music but he's, he's st oh yeah. absolutely and he does a lot on health yeah he's vegan yeah, as well yeah, and yeah. he puts out these fabulous 
uh, videos um, just talking about different foods. Yeah, yeah, there's one about all the vegetables he eats, no? Kind of like yeah, that's all, yeah, yeah, he does an A to Z of the vegetables that he eats, yeah. And, and, and the benefits of it. And what's good with him is he's not shoving it down your throat, yeah. but he's found that niche that, can, that puts music, and a lot of his music mm. is, is, is protest music. Yeah. yeah. Teaches you history, and he's found a way to, to give everybody, no matter who you are, uh, you know, a taste of, of what can be done. So, oh, music. Yes, as you were saying, it's so important they were master of their craft because they were creating awesome music. If you don't create awesome music, maybe the message doesn't go spread away. No? Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I can talk all day. Yeah. Maybe we should do a podcast only about music one day. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> let's do that because as, as well, I collect, I talk, collect music and I, I, I collect um, like a lot of indigenous music. Mm and um, a lot of spoken word. Oh, really? A lot of spoken word music, uh, not music, a lot of spoken word as well. Um, the, the possibilities of what we can do and what can be done and what needs to be done is endless. And my thing always is, let's bring that down to the young people. Mm. Let's bring it down to the children and the young people, you know? You see them out there, speak to them. They got mm. opinions, you know. Their opinions are sometimes even better than ours. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 talk to them. You know, it's not what you see out there on the streets. It's not what it seems. So in the '90s, Clarence Road was a no-go area. Mm. The drugs, the gangs, shootings, stabbings um, was was bad. It was really bad. Police was down there all the time. Fights was down there. But I live in Hackney, I live local, and I had a shop there. And I would always be out there. You know, you would see the young people and you can go and just say, look, you know, just speak, just say something. Yeah, of course, yeah. Right? They will cuss you out, but if you're strong enough... They will listen. They will listen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then things change drastically. One day things just changed. Um, I think the police must have done their intel or what have you, and they started to clean the road. Yeah. Clarence Road, this whole strip used to be shops. Hmm. And then slowly they became houses and it changed, changed the, uh, the direction of how things went. Um, so now to see it now, there's still yeah. there's still aspects of things that happen. I haven't been on here on Clarence Road for quite a while, um, but yeah, street club. And in fact, talking about activism, people may not think it's in the same vein, mm -hmm. but when there was the the Hackney, they call it the Hackney riots. Oh, yeah. Where did the main thing happen? Here. Yeah, in the street. Yeah. I remember that the Pogo's window burned because there was a burning car next that's to right. it. So it exploded. Boom. Yeah. And Shiva's shop got looted. Shiva's shop was. Um, we interviewed Shiva in the previous episode. Yes. Yeah, so. I. Oh, I'll have to listen. Yeah. I'll have to listen to that. Um, yeah. We actually sat and watched what was happening. We actually. Because we were told. No, actually. Yeah, no, let me say that. People went into the shop, mm. into the bookshop. And we were so frightened 
in case the shop was set on fire because yeah. it was so many rooms, four yeah. rooms. Oh, yeah. it was. Oh, so we sat there, and what was beautiful that that community yeah. spirit came together, and some people saw people going into the shop, and they went after them, and we did find send uh, devices that really? looked like yeah, um, and it wasn't people from around here. Yeah. yeah, the people that went in there were not people from around here. Never seen these people before, and so everyone was taking it in turns to mm. make sure that things wasn't happening. And the police were at the bottom of the road, held in all helmets and everything, and they did nothing. Even though we were saying to them, "Look, you know, people are trying to do certain things," mm. and they kettled, they kettled everybody yeah, in yeah. here. And what was really, really dangerous was that you've got the roads that come off of here. Yeah. But none of them were closed off. Yeah. So you could have people coming in and out and it would be and it was just as dangerous for all the people living off the roads. That it was very it was very very strange. Still mm. trying to work it out how many days later and a lot of people were were taken to court. You know, some people they they had pushed bins mm. and things like that and they were taken to court and charged for pushing bins. Yeah, yeah. And things like that, but the main people who started it off on Mayor Street, you didn't, you never saw them again. They, what's the word? They, they, they the ones that that started this whole thing. Instigators. Invo- instigators. Or, yeah. yeah, there were a lot of instigators that started the whole thing, and um, they came and they went, and then it was the ordinary grassroots people yeah. who got in trouble for it. You know, so yeah, Clarence Road, mate. Yeah, that is Clarence Road. A lot of history on Clarence Road. A lot of the shops that were down there. Um, there was even a time before Shiva came to the shop. There used to be a woman that ran it, and um, we were having problems with the business rates people because things just wasn't happening, and the business rates were high and services you know he wasn't getting the proper service and that and we went to all the shops down there and we just said we're going to refuse to pay business rates abc xyz we spoke to the business rates people and no nothing you can do nothing and then it was me just me and the woman um at, from at, the license no the um where shiver is now the the sweet shop that's oh. right and we decided because nobody else would wanted to um, take any action, we would take any action. We wasn't going to pay the business rates yeah, and everything. Yeah. We managed to get away with it about three times, and we were literally begging people, "Come on, um, you know, the, the, we're not getting the services that we want, etc." Mm. And um, and then the we got letters um, threatening us to go to court and all that. We wasn't making much money, yeah, so yeah. we had to back down. But we were so pr- we were so proud of ourselves, you know, yeah, the yeah. mere fact that we we managed to do. We had to pay back the three months. <laughs> we oh. had to pay it back, but you know, again, it's uh, it's uh, it's about what you what you believe is right, yeah. and even if it's not wrong, it's still right because you've done something. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, and that was that was way back in the nineties as well. Had we had, um, no, it was yeah, yeah, the end of the nineties. That's right. And pumpkin wasn't here anymore. 
but had we um and it was through that that we discovered place you know from here actually mm. we discovered people who used to advocate for 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 rent if mm. you had problems with your rent and if you needed a lawyer you know and all things nothing came out of it for us but yeah 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 i can't remember all of it now little things are coming back but yeah, well, this, to the end it's a good excuse to have another sit down and discuss yeah, this further another time thank you very much for coming today thank and giving you. your time thank you for allowing me to talk because i like talking so yeah. thank you very much and i cannot thank you all enough for coming to sister spaces aid you all might just think this is the right thing to do but to come and the support that you all have given out we were I honestly I was so touched because I've known you all for a while mm. and I would absolutely really 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 touched um and to let everybody know we have a meal named after sister space here um uh, which is going to go down into history it is going into our archives it's just little things mm. like that that makes a huge impact and a huge difference to us and also you all giving us the meal the meal cards as well um a lot of the people that <laughs> in sister space are not vegans by the way but what it's done it will give them an opportunity just to come yeah of course yeah in, we can deliver to them one day if we put yeah. it in a container and maybe let them try it maybe they like it yeah yeah <laughs> so i really really want to thank you all and for all the years i've been coming here i've had nothing but love coming in um coming in, into black cat it's been amazing just watching the transformation that yeah, you all have you. had and you know again just learning when i when you all was going through uh finance and, all that, and i was just like my gosh i remember i remember all that yeah i remember going through all that and um you know you were just being honest about who you are and as well the service that you will provide and i'm not groveling i'm not groveling because mm. i'm here it is really what it is and uh, the other thing it has been fabulous to see black people coming through because yeah. at one stage just like when it was pumpkins it was mainly white people mm. and then whatever you all were doing apart from your good cooking and your reviews and getting involved mm. lovely to see all the different cultures oh, yeah, passing yeah. through um as well it's fabulous so congrats thank, thank you, very, you much. very much indeed thank you very much let's speak later for another date yes indeed thank, thank you, you.